0: Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today, we feature Howard Hendricks, also known as The Prof. For over 50 years, he was a professor at the Dallas Theological Seminary. He mentored many Christian leaders, including Chuck Swindoll, Tony Evans, Joseph Stowell, and David Jeremiah. Hendricks was a keynote speaker for Promise Keepers, authored 16 books, and ministered in over 80 countries. Today's message is on faith. A Christian is not a person without problems. He's a person who has the problem solver living within. And every now and then I have someone ask me, uh, would you recommend a church? I say, sure, what kind of a church are you looking for? They give me all the specifications. I said, friend, you're looking for a perfect church. If you ever find one, don't join it, you'll ruin (laughs) it. Church have people there? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got people, it's got problems. And it has no problems, it's probably Paralyzed. Well, faith has problems. Man, no sooner does he get into the land and the first thing he discovers is he's right in the center of a famine. Well, how in the world can you be in the center of the will of God in a famine? Very easy. That might be a part of the divine process. That's why James says, count it all joy when you fall so as to be completely surrounded with all varieties of testing knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. Don't bail out. Don't perform an abortion upon the will of God. Don't press the panic button. But how often we say, Lord, make me like your son. And the moment he goes to work, we cry out, Lord, what happened? (laughs) He says, nothing, I'm just answering your prayer. Because remember, Jesus Christ, although he was a son, yet learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. And Abraham dwelt in tents as a nomad, as a pilgrim, wandering all over the countryside when he could have been living in plush air, but not in the will of God. I spent a month in the great country of india ministering to those fascinating people who are really coming alive particularly now that they recognize the day of the missionary is fast coming to a close and they're on while i was there i was invited to speak in a leprosarium i'll never forget it there were only about 40 or 50 lepers in that evening service met in a little chapel There were people in various stages of leprosy. Before I got up to speak, the man who was conducting the service said, I'm sure there are some of you folks who would like to share what Jesus Christ means to you. And one after another, they got up to give testimony. And the little woman got up, the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. And I obviously am not talking about the superficial standards of Hollywood. Raised up her hands with all 10 fingers gone. And she said, thank God I'm a leper because through my leprosy I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I would rather be a leper and know him than to be fully clothed and to be fully in possession of all of the parts of my body, but be a stranger to Jesus Christ. You see, the answer is found in verse 10. For he looked for the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was geared not to time, but to eternity. He was not enamored of the passing. He was committed to the permanent. And, you know, I think most of us give the impression that we're living here as if we were living here for eternity. I had a very close friend who recently went home to be with the Lord, 38 years of age, three children, died of a massive heart attack, never recovered. And over and over again, I would hear the statement, isn't that amazing? Day before he died, he went to a doctor here in Dallas, went through all of the tests, came out, the doctor said, you are a perfect specimen of health, and the next day, he was in eternity. And over and over again, you would hear, isn't that amazing? My friend, what's so amazing about that? The amazing thing is not that people die. The amazing thing is that people live. You see, we think we are in the land of the living on our way to the land of the dying. But the truth of the matter is we are in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. That's why the psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. My friend, you're not going to be here for eternity. God's simply going to give you a little slice of time in which to make your impact for Jesus Christ. And this passage makes me know very clearly that it will only be the result of a faith that develops patience the long-range view that hangs in there even when the circumstances are moving in the opposite direction that's what Paul learned I think I overhear a conversation in Philippi one lady says to the other one Mart, have you heard the latest now Paul's in prison really again and these people were so shook up and word came so Paul and if you'll turn in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12 I want you to see the divine viewpoint upon problems adversity circumstances which are unfavorable. He says, now I would have you know, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, that is the fact that I am in prison, have fallen out rather under the progress of the gospel. And he gives two illustrations. First, so that my bonds became manifest in Christ throughout the whole praetorian guard and to all of the rest. Think of it. Every two to three hours, they changed the guard these hand-picked young men and it's true my friend that if paul was chained to the prisoner i mean to the guard that the guard was also chained to paul and here's you know a fine upstanding pagan trying to live a comfortable life and he's compelled to sit next to this disturbing individual And he says, man, it's fantastic Every two to three hours I get another opportunity to share the four laws (laughs) You'll notice that in the Greek text That's what you call a chain reaction (laughs) Sorry about that Why, man, here's Nero, the head of the evangelistic committee, and he doesn't even know the evangelism conference is on. And then he says, furthermore, think about this. And most of the brethren in the Lord, being confident through my bonds, are more abundantly bold to speak the word of God without fear. Why, man, these people are galvanized to present Jesus Christ. Now that they know I'm in prison presenting the Savior, what in the world should they be doing on the outside? And you come to the conclusion, maybe we ought to lock up all the preachers. (laughs) Well, that wouldn't be a bad idea. (laughs) That wouldn't be the first time the church got a new lease on life and quit shipping in to hire a clergyman to rob them of the privilege of ministry. You see, the whole principle in this passage that Paul is bringing to your attention is that in the spiritual realm, adversity always means advance so don't throw in the town don't bail out don't abort the purposes of god allow him to make you like jesus christ well there is another strand of faith found in verses 11 and 12. here we see the certainty of faith And it's demonstrated in the miracle birth of Isaac. Now, this is an intriguing inclusion to me. Let me read the verses. By faith, even Sarah. We underline the little word even. That is extraordinary. Even Sarah herself received power to conceive seed when she was past AIDS, since she counted him faithful who had promised. Wherefore, also there sprang of one, and him as good as dead, so many as are the stars of heaven in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. You see, the remarkable thing about this statement is that it is not Sarah who is known for faith. That's not the picture you get of Sarah in the Old Testament. Turn back with me for just a moment to two illustrations genesis chapter 16 god had promised to abraham and sarah that he would give them a son and time went by and sarah got a little uptight she said abe we're not making much progress and i think god needs a little assist so we're now moving to plan b i got hagar a handmaid you go into her and maybe we'll get a child through her maybe that's what god meant and what a peck of trouble that caused! in fact all of the controversy over in palestine today is the product of that decision that was a move of unbelief look over in genesis chapter 18 verse 9 Three angels came to meet Abraham when he was dwelling at Mamre, and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? Well, he said, She's in the tent. And he said, I'll certainly return unto thee when the season cometh round, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard in the tent door. She was listening in the keyhole. And abraham and sarah were old and well stricken in age it had ceased to be with sarah after the manner of women that's the writer's way of telling you she had it it was hopeless no way jose (laughs) and sarah laughed in herself saying after i am waxed old, shall i have pleasure and that hebrew word is used for sexual pleasure my lord being old also that complicates the problem further and the angel said why did your wife laugh and she said who me he said yes you is anything too hard for the lord Now, the interesting thing is that when you come to Hebrews, all of these elements of unbelief are totally passed over. You see, the writer is not saying these are people without problem. He's talking about a woman with a problem, but who came to faith. And that which started with laughter ended with life. That which started with foolishness ended with faith. She believed God. And God rewarded her. She believed in the certainty of God despite the uncertainty of circumstances. I love that story from the life of our Lord. The disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee one day, their favorite haunt. They were expert fishermen. And all of a sudden they look off to the starboard and there's a form. And they're scared to death. Friend, they'd been out on that lake many times But they never saw this And as it came closer, I'm sure they were paralyzed Until finally one of them said Hey, it's the Lord Really? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh And finally one says Lord, if that's you Bid me come And the Lord said to Peter Come Now he thought he had a problem How would you like to step over the side of the boat And try those waves out for size I think the hardest thing he had to do Was to let go of the gunnels of the boat And here he is, gone out Walking on the water And my two friends, Philip and Andrew Are back there saying Man, look at Peter go Boy, it's terrific And all of a sudden, one of them says Hey, Peter, watch out that wave And he turns and he falls in a manhole And he prayed the most significant prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. You can't leave any word out and still have the same result. Now, if he had prayed like a lot of preachers pray, scraping the Milky Way, you know, he'd have been 22 feet under. Now, my friend, how do you think he got back to the boat? You think Jesus carried him back? No, he walked back. But I'll bet he never took his eyes off Jesus on the way back. And you know, that's a picture of what happens to us. Oh Lord, I believe! And the moment you turn in that direction, you're about to slip on a spiritual banana peel. (laughs) You're gonna sprawl. It was Martin Luther who said, if you would believe, you must crucify the question, how? Believing is not believing that God can. It's believing that he will. This Abraham did. Now, finally and briefly, look at verses 17 through 19. Here's the test of faith, as seen in the supreme sacrifice of Isaac. By faith, Abraham, being tested, offered up. Notice it's in the past tense. He offered up Isaac. Yea, he that had gladly received the promises was in the process of offering up his only begotten son, even he to whom it was said in Isaac, shall thy seed be called. Now, we've got to go back to Genesis again for a moment. Will you turn back there to Genesis chapter 15? God had made tremendous promises to this man. And Abraham said, Lord, the promises are great. I really appreciate it. But I've got one promise, one problem. I don't have a son. And how in the world are you going to make me the father of a nation when I don't even have one son? And God said to him, verse 5, he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and number the stars. If thou shalt be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Now notice. And Abraham believed in Jehovah, and Jehovah reckoned it to him for righteousness. A number of years ago I was down in Amazonia in the rainforest among the Kayapa Indians, the largest tribe of Indians in South America. Missionary and I were out on the trail all day. We came back to the headquarters, the little compound. And we were so weary, and on the way in he said to me, how would you like a shower? Oh, that was the most delightful words i had heard all day. I was soon to discover the form of the shower. He lit a lantern, and he said, okay, follow me very closely. We have lost some on this trail. <laughs> and on the way down, he told me some fascinating stories, like killing the 18-foot snake, the other day just by the dugout canoe. He told me about the man-eating piranha that infests these waters that will eat a man in 20 minutes. Other very exciting (laughs) and very encouraging story. So finally we got to the river, which was the shower, and he stripped his clothes, dove into that inky water, and when he came up said, boy, Holly, it's fantastic, come on in. You know my friends, I have never taken a faster shower in all my life. <laughs> and as I was standing beside a dugout canoe drying myself off, he said, Henriks, I want you to see something you've never seen in your life. And he extinguished that lantern and said, look up. And I looked up to see stars that I had not only never seen before in my life, but so many, you could hardly find a place in the heaven that was not pinpointed with these myriads of stars. Here we were over 500 miles from any form of civilization. Nothing to detract. My friend, it must have been into such a Syrian sky that Abraham looked when he said, start counting Abraham and he gets lost. He says, so shall thy seed be. And with that unadulterated promise, he stretched himself out on God. Now, turn over to Genesis chapter 22. Now, mind you, this is 30 years later. And it came to pass after these things that God test Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take now thy son, I mean your only son, I mean the one whom you love, even Isaac, and get him into the land of Moriah and offer him up there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you how would you like that assignment nothing logical about that that certainly does not conform to human viewpoint take your son the only one you've got I mean the sea and offer him up and he starts wending his way up the mountains of moriah and as he's going up isaac who by now was probably about 21 or 22 years of age a full-grown young man says hey dad you got the fire and you got the wood and you got the knife but where's the lamb and abram in faith says the lord himself shall provide a lamb but my friend he knew that isaac was the lamb and he binds him and puts him up on that altar and he lifts that knife to plunge it in he had already made the decision so that the writer to the hebrews said it was as if he had offered him up because even though he was to put his son to death he was convinced that god would bring him back from the dead friend that's where he got him in the first place out of the deadness of Sarah and the death of Abraham, God brought forth life. And he believed God, even though it was totally contrary to human reasoning. He's faced with a dilemma. How can you reconcile the seed and the sacrifice? If we sacrifice the seed, we mortgage the promise, but not when God is calling the shots you see because Abraham believed these impossible promises he obeys this incredible command and I want to tell you young people very frontally and I don't want you to forget it because I would not be intellectually biblically or spiritually honest if I did not tell you that if you are committed to give a testimony for Jesus Christ. The moment you give that testimony, you are going to have an opportunity to be put to the test, to see if it's a faith of words or if it's a faith of works. If it's the genuine commodity that trust God, i ask you as we come to the close of this session what are you trusting god for in this next year that only god can do i mean in your family you know i've already talked to a number of kids who said to me boy you really hit it on the head the other night one guy said i'll clue you if my parents come to know jesus christ as a savior it will be a first-class miracle. I said, my friend, and when en- ever anyone comes to Jesus Christ, it is a first-class miracle. But I said, that is where God is going to test your faith. You believe your parents can come to know Jesus Christ? Are you willing to trust him for that? You willing to trust him for your campus with all of the problems and the needs? The limitation? Are you willing to trust God for your life that stretches out before you with all of the decisions that you have to make? If God were to select four episodes from your life tonight to prove your faith, would he have any difficulty choosing four? you are being tried tomorrow morning in the city of Dallas for being a Christian is there enough evidence to incriminate you to convict you I think as soon we will leave this seminar and return to the place where God has appointed us to live and to serve we need to go back asking ourselves What am I willing to trust God for that only God can do? So that when he does it, you'll have proof positive that he was at work. Once again, our Father, we thank thee for the privilege of exposing our minds and our hearts divine truth and we realize that to him that hath been given much of him shall much be required and Lord you have exposed us to a lot of light and this has created great responsibility and great privilege as we dare to trust you for what you have promised knowing that what you have promised you are able also to perform. We pray that in these days, as we come to the end of this conference, you will be doing your miracle work in the life of each one of us. That the greater glory might come to you. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, amen. You've been listening to Howard Hendricks. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.